tragedy and trauma, they don't discriminate. And PTSD yeah. is not exclusive to the military. And yeah. while I may not have asked for this platform and these things to happen to me in my life, my men and these families, you know, we have this platform now. And if we can use it to make a positive impact through our story and hopefully get other people to learn to accept and to make the right choice and that it's not a one-time deal, it's a daily thing you have to do in life. You know, we look at it as not just a responsibility, but, a, but an obligation. You're listening to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, a podcast where I have conversations with inspirational people. My name is Chris, but my family calls me Christoph. My goal is to have as many conversations as possible with people who have forged their own path by pursuing their dreams, making them a reality, all the while emitting positivity and sharing this knowledge with others. I seek these people out and share this information with you, proving to the world that you can do what makes you happy and do what you want for a living while being a good human being. We'll talk about careers, but we'll also cover any story that inspires. Let's do this while helping each other. Thanks for listening. I'm happy you're here. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. Thank you so much for being here. This is conversation number 167. Total episodes number 290. There are two segments within the podcast. This is one of them. It's the conversations is where I interview a guest. And the other segment is the contemplations. And that's where it's just me. And I talk about and reflect on conversations that I've had throughout the week with you, the listener, and anybody else in my life that bears repeating. So thank you so much again for being here. My guest today is Jeff Morris. He's an army vet. He served in OIF. So Iraq in 2000. It's some very difficult deployments, experienced lots of loss of life, unfortunately. But out of the darkness and out of the tough times, the tragedy and the trauma, he has created some incredible things like Legion 8. He's also written the book Legion Rising, and he's just an all-around good dude trying to affect change, positive change in his life and the lives of others. He shared some really, really deep stories, some pretty crazy stories. The mirror story is the one that hit me the hardest. You'll know it when you hear it. We talk a lot of times about reflecting and looking at yourself in the mirror and, and when Jeff tells his story it's just it's powerful I mean that's the best way to describe it so you can find this podcast and all podcast apps you can find it on YouTube head over to YouTube and subscribe that would be really helpful and then heading over to Apple Podcast or iTunes and rating five stars tell me what you like that would be awesome and helpful sharing with a friend is also a phenomenal way to help the podcast out and yet again I will say thank you so much for listening for subscribing for sharing and as i record this it's june 2020 there's a lot of things going on but we need to stay together and we need to not be divided we need to come together and we can affect change that way by having these kind of conversations and equally important not just having the conversations but going out and actually taking action so my thoughts are always with you all be safe Stay safe, keep others safe. And without further ado, welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. Hi, Chris, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thanks so much. It's always humbling uh, to do another one of these. I'm always excited to do another one of these. And you're just saying you had caught a couple of my own episodes. And to me, that's always just like, I I know I've been hosting a podcast for a while, but when people tell me that, (laughs) I sometimes forget that people are actually listening. And I'm trying not to uh, speak negatively of myself. I've been working on that. So I appreciate you coming on. It means a lot. I know it means a lot to the people that are listening as well. There's a lot of things that I'd love to talk about. We have about 30 minutes and I want to talk about a couple of those. But before we get into that, would you mind introducing us to maybe some of the people that might not know who you are? Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, Jeff Morris. I was a infantry officer in the army. Uh, I always say like back in a previous life. So (laughs) I went in after 9-11 uh, so maybe stepping back, I initially, sure. this will hit home with you, uh, the initial plan in life was to be a SEAL. I wanted to go in the Navy, 
grew up uh, down on the beach in Florida. And when I got out of college, you know, 10 foot bulletproof, like, oh, the Navy will take me as a SEAL. And the recruiter was like, dude, it doesn't work this way. You know, this is pre 9 11. Uh, but I tried anyways. And sure enough, didn't get it. The first year wasn't selected. And I said, no, and I'll try it again the next year. And then mm-hmm. during that year, just had some lingering shoulder problems. I played football mm-hmm. in college and ended up having to go in. And first surgery wasn't too big of a deal. Just scoped it. But the doc said, you know, man, we got to go in and do reconstructive surgery probably. So oh, wow. after that, uh, not just the Navy, every branch of the military said thanks, but no thanks. So I left Florida, came out here to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, started a career, and then 9-11 happened. Mm. And just felt compelled to, to give it one more shot. And I was a few years removed from the surgery at that point. And so chose the Army this time and went the infantry route. And so I got my commission in uh, April of 2003. And uh, all the schoolhouse stuff you do in the infantry. And, and yeah, man, it was a whirlwind. Uh uh, was assigned to Fort Hood and uh, with 1st Cavalry. Uh, as soon as I got there, the unit had already deployed. I met them over there about mm-hmm. a month after they had got there. Did my platoon leader time uh, in Iraq on, in downtown Baghdad on Haifa Street. Redeployed, uh, became an XO right away with our sister company, which was great because I had worked with those guys the whole previous year. And then kind of in a weird set of circumstances, I was in the process of putting my my special forces packet in for the SFAS, the assessment and selection course. Okay. And uh, first CAV was going through this transformation from traditional siloed armor and infantry units to combined arms battalions. And so my company that I was an XO over, we got moved over to be uh, a part of what was traditionally an armor battalion. And I say that because being traditionally armored, they had no captains in the queue to take command. And our company commander, captain, made the choice to get out of the army. And so the higher ups, they came to me and asked me if I would be as a, you know, as a young first lieutenant, uh, nine months as a PL, five months as an XO, and yeah. like, hey, you want to take command for a few months? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. So that was the plan. Wow. I was supposed to get at least ninety days so I can get rated, uh, and then off to hopefully SFAS. And at the end of that ninety days, uh, bosses came back to me and said they were happy with the job I was doing, and we had a pretty good idea of where we were going to be deploying to. And my first deployment, the unit had seen a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they asked me if I would withdraw my SFAS packet and they would let me stay in and get a full command. So yeah, man, I was, uh, wow. I never went to the career course or anything. I was in command for about a year before I was promoted to captain and then off to Iraq right after that. And I stayed wow. in command for a little over half that deployment and then made the choice to leave. So yeah. The second deployment was October of 06 to mm-hmm. January of 08. So they were there as a, uh, as part of the surge. Mm-hmm. And then once we returned in January of 08, I made the decision to uh, resign my commission that April. Mm-hmm. Actually it was May. It was my terminal leave date. Mm. And what led to that the so, resignation? Yeah. You know, I was, uh, multiple things. I was, you know, we may get into it. Uh, second deployment was really tough. Yeah. Uh, lost yeah. eight men. Yeah. And you know, my first deployment had been tough. I mean, I had of the 34 men under me, I had 27 Purple Hearts, that first deployment. And then the second deployment, uh, you know, lost the eight guys. And the difference being, I, I just felt, you know, and this, this was this is Jeff's opinion and, and mine only, that I just felt that uh, it's kind of disenchanted with the mission and what we were doing. Uh, some of the positions we were asking our men to go out and do things. Not that I wasn't supportive of the mission because I had orders and I was going to go do my job. But, you know, what were we accomplishing? What was the end state? What were we really doing to make a difference? And, you know, I'm the one looking at my men and and talking to these families and, you know, telling them that 
you know, your, your boy, dad, a hero making a difference. And mm-hmm. in some cases I really struggled with saying that because in some yeah. cases it seemed like men died, but we're on a mission to make sure we got a, a photo op, photo op with the Iraqi army. So yeah, man. So I just, uh, you know, I'd, I'd done my time and I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world and amazing group of guys and two incredible opportunities in those deployments, but it was time for me to yeah. transition and move on to the next phase of life. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I know, and if, if the listeners, if you don't know, um, Jeff is the author of Legion Rising and the founder of Legion 8, which is the nonprofit. And I was going to ask you so that you could say here on the podcast why you founded that, why you created that and, and what that's about. And I'd love to get in a little bit more of that. I think I told you yeah. a, a second ago um, off camera, I love having people on here, but I love having people on here that are helping people, right? And mm-hmm. you've experienced a lot of things that I appreciate you sharing with me. I know you've talked about them before. Um, but it's never easy to talk about. I've had experiences in my life that's are that are very devastating, and I know whenever I talk mm-hmm. about them, they're still hard for me to talk about. So, uh, a couple of things that I take away here. I mean, there's a lot of uh, important things going on in here, but I always want to articulate to people that you can uh, go through tragedy, you can go through trauma, mm-hmm. you can experience guilt potentially, all of these things. But out of it, that's how you choose. That is up to you, and you can create something out of this to help yourself and to help other people. And that's something you have done. So I asked the question why you got out, why why you chose that. Yeah. I appreciate you answering. Um, obviously, I speak about transitions quite a bit. So I kind of like mm-hmm. honing down on why an individual left uh, the military or maybe why they left a career. Sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes that individual chose mm-hmm. that. Sometimes they did not choose to get out of the military or that career. They got fired. <laughs> yeah, they got fired saying. or something too, you know. So um, it can yeah. come from everywhere. So, you know, and for, for your situation awareness and for other people listening, that's why I ask these questions uh, because I want to use you, Jeff, and all these other guests that I have on here as a real life breathing example of this is somebody that did these things and this is why they did them. And even though they suffer the tragedy, like I mentioned, you can still go on and do great things. So uh, I think that's a great segue into Legion 8. Why you named that, I think is pretty obvious mm-hmm. at that point, And I think it's really powerful that you did that. But honestly, it may sound obvious to you and other people that have gone on to do similar things, but I, I really want to know why, again, asking the question with wanting to highlight and help other people to start things as well. But you could have just come home, threw in the towel, and just been in a dark place, been in a bad place, and not done anything. But you went on to have conversations like this and start that. Mm-hmm. So how did you go from probably, I don't want to assume any emotion that you experienced, but how did you go from probably a not great place, broadly speaking, to creating something like this to help other people? So yeah, man, to, to be transparent here, I did come home and throw in the towel mm-hmm. and I was in that dark place for, for almost five years. Oh, wow. And, you know, combined with everything that had happened with the men, the survivor's guilt, I had one particular uh, event happen to me that was uh, very traumatic and it's just something that haunted me. You know, marriage was on the rocks, that deployment came home, uh, you know, so just uh, all these things. And so I just, I just blocked it out, just compartmentalized and was being the biggest hypocrite, man. Guys were having problems from the unit. I stayed in that command mode and I I said all the right things. I told them to get help and talk to people. Mm. And, you know, but the fact of the matter is I did none of those things myself. I, I got a good job at that point. I was just going to immerse myself in work and, Mm -hmm. My ex-wife and I, we had had our, our our child together three months before that second deployment. And so when I came home, you know, when her and I decided to, to part ways, it was 
all right, my focus is, you know, my son and, mm. and work. And on paper, man, I look good, good job, was making good money, nine to five, put the smile on, and then just went back to my house at night and just, I described it, man, I just went into my hole, you know, it wasn't drugs or alcohol. I just, I did nothing to, to be the old me, the guy that wanted to get out there and meet people and develop and yeah. cultivate relationships. And, you know, I did, I did none of those things. Mm. I just went home and uh, thought and, uh, get, you know, felt guilty. Yeah. I tried to find things that I could immerse myself in anything, but dealing with what ultimately I knew I was going to have to deal with, but eventually, yeah, so yeah, man, you know, it was a, it was a rough couple of years, you know, and, uh, you know, again, everything looked good, but yeah, you know, it's five, almost five years of my life. I'll never get back. And, mm-hmm. you know, finally it came to a head when, you know, something happened and the, the stories in the book, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a 45 year old man. And, you know, sometimes you still need mom to put you back in line and, my mom looked at me one day and you know, give me all the crap you want, but you know, I'm 45 and I'm always going to be my mom's baby. Yeah. And she had this phrase growing up and it was, you know, my baby's big blue eyes, you know, they're just the light of my life. And if ever I'm down or sad, I just look at them and know that everything's going to be okay. So it was a uh, Christmas of 2011 and I went home and uh, grabbed a beer, sat on the couch and my mom looked at me and just started crying. Mm. And, I thought she had some bad health news or something to say. And she just finally got a hold of herself and she just said, the light's gone. And when I look at my baby's big blue eyes, I don't see the light anymore. I see that he looks dead inside mm-hmm. and it just breaks my heart that mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do to change that. It's something he's going to have to figure out on his own. But mm-hmm. for the first time in my life, I don't know if everything's going to be okay. And, uh, and you talk about a gut punch, man. And yeah. so that was kind of the catalyst. I, I went and, and took my own advice after that. And I started going to counseling and I found, I looked for any and every reason in the world to, to have an out and an exit strategy, but this dude was just great. And <laughs> through that, some of the things we, we talked about, you know, beforehand and at the beginning of, you know, we talked a lot about acceptance and a, a lot about choice mm-hmm. and, and just through this, you know, these months of going to see this individual, uh, it kind of ended with, you know, I was your typical guy. I didn't share these things with anybody. And he encouraged me to share it with a group of friends and, so some people had moved to Tyler, Texas at this point and had met some people through CrossFit and one night got a little liquid courage, you know, took a beer or six to, to get the guts to talk about it. And I got a bunch of tattoos and <laughs> they all knew something was up, but you know, they, no one ever asked out of respect. And so yeah, man, I opened up this night and I just shared everything and wow. I shared, uh, you know, my own demons and, uh, you know, just, it was just really powerful. And the, the expectation of, you know, I'd always fear like a lot of people that have, a lot of veterans in particular, people that have been through tragedy and trauma, veterans and non-veterans, that if people find out about these things from your past, that they're going to paint you with a scarlet letter and like, whoa, that guy's jacked up in the head, you know. Uh, but instead, this group of just incredible friends, man, they just walked up and hugged me and, and told me they loved me. Yeah. And one of the guys, and during when I was talking, I'd refer to the eight men as the Legion Eight because that was our unit nickname. That deployment was Legion. And he said, how about we come up with a hero wad for the guys, you know, Everyone should be familiar with the hero workouts and CrossFit. Mm-hmm. So we took our slightly drunken minds and came up with this ridiculously hard workout. And, you know, we were going to just do a, a one-time event for it. And that was the plan. And, you know, it was neat. when We did it. It was just so – a lot of the men from the unit showed up and some of the family members showed up. And it was just amazing. Uh, one of the moms of the guys that was killed said it perfect. She said, you know, for five years we've gotten together with tears in our eyes. And today we all have a smile on our face. And then – Two other things happen. People start, this is going to be a yearly thing, right? 
hey, why the hell not, man? Let's let's do it. Yeah. And then uh, an individual came up to me and said, look, I was in the military, but I was a paramedic. And I, you, you were talking about this thing that happened to you and how you were able to learn to accept it and make that daily choice. And I have this thing in my background of you know, carrying the, the body of a dead child out of a house that had burned down and it's haunted me. And, you know, right there, it just kind of clicked, man, that, you know, like you said, tragedy and trauma, they don't discriminate and PTSD yeah. is not exclusive to the military. And yeah. while I may not have asked for this platform and these things to happen to me in my life, my men and these families, uh, you know, we have this platform now and if we can use it to make a positive impact through our story and hopefully get other people to learn to accept and to make the right choice. And that it's not a one-time deal. It's a daily thing you have to do in life that, uh, you know, we look at it as not just a responsibility, but a, but an obligation. I love everything about that. Jeff is as real and raw as that is. And as tough as it was five years, I mean, that's a long time, Yeah, you know? And I think from what I've seen during those five years, and I've, I've kind of said something similar before on the podcast before in another episode is, during those five years, you don't know that it's just going to be five years, right? You don't, no. there, there, you don't know that there's going to be an end in sight. Frankly, you probably do not think there is an end in sight, but you made the decision. And it's funny how we can give advice to so many other people, but we never take it ourselves. It's one of the things that I, yeah. I remember you saying, and it's just like, how many times do we get ourselves in situations like that where it's so easy to be uh, the person that gives that advice because we're not the ones living it, but when we are living it for ourselves, we can't do anything about it. But what a, what a real moment it is for your mom to you know, say it's, what it's, she it, did too, you know? Wow. And it's funny you say that and I'll share it, you know, and cause what you just said, I was going to say, it, it's hard to look in the mirror. Yeah. Like you said, it's easy so to give hard. her advice. And so for me, the incident was a traumatic thing that happened to me. And, and you know, like I'm not giving anything away is uh, when one of my men was killed, he was shot by a sniper and we carried him in and long story short, it was a pretty ugly scene. And when I was cleaning myself up, uh, I looked at the mirror and I had this cut going across my face and I didn't realize it until, cause I was just numb in that environment. And it took me a little bit to snap too. Then I felt that same burning sensation on my hand. I looked down and I had fragments of that man's skull stuck in my hands. And when I had wiped the sweat away from my face, I had cut myself open and so literally and figuratively, I couldn't look into a mirror. So you talk about making decisions and choices uh, throughout my, you know, I don't call it recovery. I call it reawakening. It was how can I get me back to being me? How can I get back to literally and figuratively being able to look into a mirror again? Damn. It's a hard thing to do. It's an easy thing to say. It's a hard thing to do, man. Talking about acceptance and choice is so easy for me to say, but when I had to go through it, man, I I, I brushed my teeth in the shower. I kept shaving my head. I got it now, the whole COVID-19, I let my 13-year-old bust my head. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but back then, you know, I just, anything that I could do to literally not look into a mirror for almost five years, man, it was, it was tough. Okay, so you talked about counseling. I want to know, and there's other people that are experiencing similar but different things, if not, <clears throat> if not, if not really similar. Um, but like you said, PTSD does not discriminate. So you talked about counseling. What are some of the other ways, maybe externally, but maybe equally importantly, internally, that you're able to overcome and slowly climb out of this? Yeah, it was a lot of it started that day. The, the, the first Legionate event we did okay. is okay. it was the first time, you know, I, I felt like I was doing the right thing again, yeah. giving advice. Yeah, but when yeah. I had this individual come up to me, 
Yeah. And to like see that blank stare in his face that I know all so well because that was me for so long. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it. You're like, you don't know how long that's going to go on. And I always yeah. say like, this doesn't happen overnight. You know, I was the, the fun, outgoing guy, you know, not the dude that pulls up in his house every night and, and does nothing and doesn't try anything to, to do anything to meet people. Mm-hmm. That was the exception. But over time, the exception became the norm. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, exactly. it felt when I got that feeling again, of man, I just made a positive impact in that person's life. It took me back the days of just the, the honor and privilege to, to lead men and women, you know, what I consider the ultimate test and to have mm-hmm. an opportunity to make a positive impact in their life. And just for that brief little moment, that snapshot, I felt it with that individual and it lit that match again, that I wanted to feel it again. And so from there, the guy that wouldn't talk about anything for five years, uh, I was like, the guy that will shut up about it now because <laughs> uh, it's not that it's a thing of, I want other people to experience that I had with my mom, that I had with that individual mm-hmm. and to light that match and see the light come back on in their eyes and know that that person now understands, yes, it's a hard thing to do, but now they, they have a path. And mm-hmm. I always say that the greatest thing sometimes that I think we can give as people is the ability for people to look at someone and say, you know what, if he can do it or she can do it, so can I. Yeah, man. And by sharing this message in the story, that's what I want people to see. Like, man, Jeff is a normal guy some seal or delta guy you know, just an average dude but if they can see me stand up in a room and be vulnerable uh and open up i mean the next time i give a talk and don't cry will be the first time you know but people look at us at this image of like oh they're big tough dudes and we're not man we're normal and mm-hmm. so again if i can set a an example that if i can do it, it you know then so can they then that's an honor and a privilege man it's something uh Got to keep doing. I agree. And you you definitely hit the nail on the head on what I'm trying to do here, which I was saying in the beginning of you, you're an example of this. You know, it's, it's one thing to hear about people doing it, but to hear somebody's like, it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's one thing to read a story or to see somebody on the news. But I think when you have a podcast that's created by just me, some regular guy that had absolutely no experience (laughs) in podcasting or anything. And then, you know, just, I was some guy from the Navy and to be able to highlight your story and share your story with, you are sharing it with the intentionality to help other people and to continue to help yourself. So I'm, glad that you answered that question and that it's, you know, it's, it's a couple things, you know, it's, it's a very dynamic situation clearly, but it's not just the counseling. It's not just meeting and talking with other people, but it's the, you said the workout of the day. So the wad for the non-crossfitters uh, workout that you created yeah. that became an annual thing and all of these things. And one of the most powerful things I pulled out of that uh, a little bit farther back, was like, thank God your mom told you what she told you. Right. So yeah. having people in our lives mm-hmm. that tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And even and especially when it comes from somebody so close, it'd be pretty tough to hear that. But again, oh, yeah. that's the, yeah. that's the time to actually act on that advice and not just have it go over your head. And when you do these things that you're saying, and I, I can't believe um, that story that you told us about looking into the mirror. Uh, typically on this show, we talk about fig- figuratively looking into the mirror and I, I have never heard of an episode talk about uh, literally looking into the mirror like that. And that's so powerful, right? So it's just all of these things. I appreciate you sharing that in totality, we are able to, if we so choose to make an effort and understand that it's not going to happen overnight because this was, a, this was a process for you and you're continually doing it, you know? So, wow, that that's great. So um, let's pivot a little bit. Um, 
What are some of the things for or with Legion 8? How are you helping people through that? So, yeah, so it's, I mean, it kind of, again, I didn't expect it, but, you know, we went from doing a, the first year one place, the next year three places, mm-hmm. the next year 10 places, the next year oh, cool. 50 gyms around the con- country are contacting me. Hey, can you come out here and, I mean, you know, because I, I give a talk and we share a video of the men and okay. you know, do a pretty powerful presentation beforehand. And from that, you know, we would sell shirts to kind of, you know, raise a little bit of money to help last some of the family members in because it just means the world to them. You know, when you make that promise of their boy's name never being mm-hmm. forgotten mm-hmm. and every year see a new shirt with, you know, their kid's name on it. So, yes, it was about, a, you know, four or five years into it, made the decision to go the nonprofit route. And then it was, all right, what is our, our true mission going to be with this? And man, I got four kids. I got a full-time day job (laughs) and, you know, was in the process of writing the book at that point. And so we, we purpose, I say all that we purposely kept Legion A small right now because I want to do something that I can control and do things to make a positive impact. And so what I, what I look for is uh, primarily focused on veterans. We have helped other non-veteran and really the common theme of it is people that have been affected by tragedy and trauma and don't have the means of sometimes with those things, uh, there's financial loss involved. For an example, uh, you know, there's a guy, his 16 year old daughter tripped and fell and hit her head on the concrete, ended up dying from it. And yeah, it was just a a crazy thing. And there was a lot of, you know, medical fees and things involved with that. And, you know, just through, we, we did a special event kind of in honor of this and all funds raised went to assist the family in that, uh, so yeah, you know, it's, we kind of just look for small, uh, particular things. And now, now that things are kind of slowing down, the kids are getting a little bit older. The goal is to, is to scale this thing. And sort of the next phase, what I want to look to do with it is, uh, there, there's so many veteran groups out there. And I think the majority of them have the best intentions in the world. And sure. the downside of that is sometimes we run the risk of cannibalizing each other mm. of when you're not asking for funds and donations of, you know, all right, which one do I support? Or are very you, good point. you know, maybe, Maybe that's what we do. We just stay small moving forward mm-hmm. uh, or potentially align ourselves with some other veterans groups. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, I've talked to some different people and instead of having one, have a coalition of call it Legion Aid size nonprofits. Sure. And we all share a common goal, but we have different, maybe, you know, specific particular things that are important to each one. But with our collective power of fundraising and stories, we can mm-hmm. ultimately raise more money and, generate yeah. enough funds and donations yeah. to go and do better things for all of them. So that's kind of the, the goal okay. and the mission in sure, the next sure. year or two. And we'll yeah. see where it goes. No, I think that's a great idea. There's a plethora of these organizations out there and that's mm-hmm. phenomenal. But for the end user, it can be a little bit difficult at times to be able to, like you said, who do I donate? Who do I help? They all want to do good and they are, are doing good. But I think if you're able to pull together resources and be able to do it like that, that would be really powerful. So I think it's great that you're doing that. You're giving talks and you have the exercises as well because I believe you know as much as I do that uh, uh, attacking it not just uh, mentally but physically as well is something that me personally has helped substantially being able to go out there and, and burn that, that energy. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. So not just the physical energy. I mean really like go out there and think. Yeah, like uh, everybody works out lifts differently but to me like that's my time to think so being able to do like something like that i think is really important Mm -hmm. you mentioned your kids you have four kids and 
you know, I saw you, you had an Instagram post, I think it was about like rucking and, you know, or, or you had your, you had, you had, you, you had your kid on your, your front and you're pushing your yeah. boys and everything. And I'm like, it's so yeah. funny how you're like, oh, the, the military prepped me for this. And I was like laughing. But then you, you said right there, like, I, I'm a newer father and my daughter's about 15 months old and it's been really tough juggling uh, my day job, uh, the podcast, yeah. being a parent, being a husband, all of these things. And so I, one of the questions, um, as we um, simmer down here a little bit, you know, get towards the end a little bit. Um, have you had any issues? I mean, it sounds like you have, but have you had any mm-hmm. issues kind of balancing all of these things that you were, uh, that you were doing, but how have you been able to achieve like finding your version of balance and balance might, might not be the right word mm-hmm. at all, but how have you been able to at least, you know, work through that and be able to lean forward into that? And that is such a good question and an opportune time to ask it. I mean, you're right. I mean, four kids, uh, one of which lives three hours away. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's the time involved. But, you know, when we go to get him, that puts a strain on three, four and under back here on my wife, uh, full-time job. And, you know, trying to promote the book, trying to yeah. do things with Legion 8. And, you know, so what I did is I, I got out again. Like I said, I got a pretty good job and been fortunate in my career and have had, you know, I'll call it relative success in the business world and had moved up to a, pretty, uh, you know, a good job that I had the last year. And, you know, what I found in that is while it had, you know, a good paycheck that came with it, uh, the time involved, uh, didn't allow me to get the priority and focus on, in my eyes, what is really most important in life. You know, I don't want people to read on my tombstone one day about what my job title was. I want it to be about making a difference. Yet I found myself spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You know, if I prioritize the top five things in my life, the thing that I spent the most time doing brought me the least amount of personal satisfaction. So uh, I recently made a choice to make a career move and what some people would consider to be a, a step back in responsibility. Sure. Uh, but, you know, it's still a great opportunity with a great organization. When I've worked with before around great people that understand me and who I am and what's important to me in my life. And the job is Good much more flexible Good for you. Uh, that allows me to not have to do the daily commute. So yeah, yeah balance is uh, again, back to easy thing to say, you know, it's an easy thing to say, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to walk away from this job. Then you look at it and like, you know, all right, we're going to be able to pay the bills. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, that's all, uh, that's indifferent man. Time with the kids, uh, yeah. you know, my personal message with the, with the book, what that's about, uh, you know, trying to grow Legion Aid or some of the other things we talked about. And, you know, first and foremost, being the husband and father yes. that I needed to be and uh, money, it, you know, it'll, it'll take care of itself. It will. And I, I love hearing that, especially, uh, <laughs> I say this a lot on the, on the podcast, but the podcast is definitely for me too. Like I'm asking these questions because I genuinely want to know the answers to them because I, I struggle with this stuff. Like, you know, you said you're just a regular guy. I'm a regular guy too. And this is stuff I struggle with every single day i'm stressed the hell out right now as we're recording this you know like it's just it's tough it life is tough and so is it it's, it and that's just the way it is for most everybody and we're recording this what is it now in june of 2020 so you'll yeah. be hearing this a little bit later and uh we're dealing with a lot of stuff in this country right now at least in the united states and and, and really all over the world there's always something going on and it's always stressful but ultimately you have to do what's best for you. And I think fiscally speaking, it can be difficult, like you said, to kind of take a step back, take a step backward. But you know, what metric are you using? Are you only using the fiscal metric or are you taking into your happiness at all? Because after a certain amount of money that you're making, if you can provide for yourself and for your family, then 
what does it really matter? Now, this could go a, a plethora of ways and, and ways we're not going to mm-hmm. go into this podcast, but I believe, for me at least, over a certain point, as long as I can take care of that family, now it's, you know, we really, really need, I mean, you should always take your happiness into account because I believe that finances will find a way. I think you said something like that, but, mm-hmm. you know, don't forget about your happiness and definitely don't forget about the time that you have with your family. And that's something I'm learning so much. So I'm, I more than applaud you for taking that step. I think it's not a step backward. Like you, you said, some people might oh, see I it. You, I know you don't see it like that. I know you don't see it like that, but you said other people yeah. might see it like that. So I just want to continue to shift the perspective of other people thinking that a fiscal um, decrease means a career, de- you know, a step back or something like that. It's, it's, it's quite the opposite, you know? Yeah, and let me add one point on that. So I went and talked to Please, you know, with the yeah. nonprofit and some other things. I'm you know pretty fortunate to you know get around some people in some high leadership positions in different organizations. And so I approached a few of them about this. I'm like, man, all right, here's what I'm thinking. Say none of this stuff works out with the book or the nonprofit, and two years from now I'm back out, you know, trying to get that higher job again. And again, I got a good job. You know, like I said, I'm not, I didn't. I don't want any of my coworkers to listen to me and think that I'm diminishing the responsibility. I got a, <laughs> a lot to not. do. Uh, but again, just how people perceive things on paper. Sure, sure. And to a man and woman, every one of these people I talked to, uh, when I told them what I was looking at doing, I was like, so what would you think if I'm in your office two or three years from now? And they'd say, I would pat you on the back and say, hell yeah, son, come on board, because you just went and did what every one of us wishes we would have at some point in our career. And that's focus on what is most important to us in life. Yeah. And uh, so bravo to you, man, for doing it. So you talked about, you know, a lot of the theme of your podcast of, you know, building a career and yeah. so on and so forth. And it's an evolution, man. Mine was, it was all about money. It was all about how to get away from the other stuff I was dealing with. And then it was, okay, I'm comfortable with that. Now let me establish myself. All right. So I did that. And now it's, you know what? That briefs well, but that doesn't make me happy, man. It's mm. my family. It's mm. helping people. It's spreading a message of, of hope and overcoming adversity. That's what I want to be about. So let me instead of finding a career that allows me to go buy nice things and go support other organizations like that, let me find a career that will help me build my own and give mm-hmm. me the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the good exercises, I guess that you pulled out from there is asking <coughs> people or at least envisioning yourself years in the future. And I, I like personally envisioning myself having accomplished something. And for me that works. And I think it really helps in this situation of what you're doing. And, and and say, am I, would I truly be happy? And you know what? You, we always hear that one of the biggest regrets in life, uh, at the end of life, when I've seen yeah. those polls where they poll like people on their deathbed, which sounds <laughs> yeah. a little morbid, but like they go, I regret, you know, not spending more time with my family or things like that. And God forbid I get to that, you know, if, or if we collectively get to that point. So being able to realize that now is phenomenal. And you know what? I'm going to speak towards something you said way earlier in the podcast about you, I don't know if the word you used was wasted, but you said you wasted like five years of your life. And quite frankly, Jeff, I, I don't see it that way because you know what? You could have gone your whole entire life not having turned the handle. You could have not pivoted mm-hmm. at all. And you could have lived the rest of your life in those dark shadows, going home every single night, doing a job you didn't want to do, not spending time with family or friends or anything like that. So you are on the right path, man. And you're doing great things. And that, well, that, you. that that's what matters. You know, you, you made the pivot, yeah. you made it and you've inspired me and I know you've inspired other people on the podcast. So I really appreciate it. This has been a phenomenal podcast. I appreciate you coming on and speaking with us. But um, before we get out of here, please let us know how we can find the book, 
find the nonprofit, get a hold of you or anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, no, thanks, man. I appreciate the kind words. And again, it's just an honor to be on here. Uh, so for the book, the best place to get it is on Amazon. Again, it's just Legion Rising, uh, Surviving Combat, The Scars It Left Behind. It's on some of the other booksellers, but it's the cheapest on Amazon. Okay. Uh, Legion 8 Foundation, really do everything. We got a page, Legion 8 on Facebook. I don't do as much through there anymore. Most everything is on Instagram. It's just at Legion 8 Foundation. And it's the number eight, Legion 8 Foundation. And me personally, best way again, I kind of keep Facebook for, for family. So Instagram would be the best way. And it's at Rise with Jeff. Uh, very simple, Rise with Jeff, J-E-F-F. I do a little bit on Twitter, but not a whole lot. I'm kind of just sticking to Instagram. Yeah. I got too many things going on in my life to Tell worry about, about too many social media sites. <laughs> uh, got a website, you know, guys, Jeff.Morris, uh, Jeff-Morris.com. And kind of got that up recently and probably going to be redoing that soon. Okay. Uh, going to be redoing the Legion 8 website as well. And it's all kind of the, the evolution of the next year. Sweet. Well, as always, you all will be able to find all of that and more in the show notes. And I highly encourage you to check it out. Head over to the Instagram page and see what Jeff is doing, see what uh, Legion 8 Foundation is doing, and, and head over to Amazon. I'll link it all in the show notes so you guys will be able to see it. Jeff, thanks so much again for coming on here. It's This is good. It's, um, for me, as a podcast host, having done this for a little while now, over two years, for having come on and hearing uh, certain stories in a way and in a light that I've never heard them before is always so powerful. I, I'm, I'm specifically talking about what you pulled out of the book and you said about looking into the mirror and, and so many other things. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It is a very powerful episode, a lot of good things, a lot of tangible things that we can apply to our own lives. And that's one of the beauties of being able to do something like this is not just listening to it for entertainment, but able to pull things out of here that we can apply to our own lives and actually make the change in our own lives. So thanks so much and have a great night. You too, man. Thanks again, Chris. I appreciate it.